Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to the new season of Trekkie and Beyond. We are now exploring some strange new worlds. Are you excited? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond Star Trek Podcast. I'm Anika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to episode seven of Strange New Worlds of season two. The old scientists, or the TOS period, as Lower Decks likes to call them. This amazing episode is our is not our first crossover, but the one I love the most crossover between Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. Or flip that, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. <laughs> and an accident, so it starts off in Lower Decks, and an accident and while investigating it, Instant Boimler, Mariner, are somehow sent to the past and they meet the very, the very, the very important cast members or ship members of Strange New Worlds. Those old scientists. Um, and now they are had this whole episode of a hodgepodge of funny instances, annoyances, and everything else in between to get these two people back to where they belong, which is not on the Enterprise because Pike is tired. This episode was hilarious. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry because you're laughing so hard. And <laughs> Monica, what did you think? First of all, I think we agree on this episode because I like it as well. <laughs> I really liked it. And I think your your intro is right on point because it's hard to tell where Strange New World started and where Lower Decks ended. You can see visually but if you're not looking at it visually without seeing like the animation and, and live action, you if if you were just listening to it, you would not know, right? And mm-hmm. so um, it was like full of surprises and I've never seen a crossover that crossed over like that in so many different ways because the crossover in the beginning and the end. Um, so many characters crossed over, not just one. And so that was um, just really cool. I um, Once again, I not seeing that there's crossovers of course in star trek um just not at this level and it also hit all the right buttons for me it checks all the right boxes there was like um an away mission there was a bromance hey (laughs) there was action and there was definitely suspense and surprise and there's multiple plot points So, yeah, really like it. all right? the points, people. <laughs> <laughs> we checked all the boxes. What about you? I freaking love this episode so much that I couldn't even get the description out in the beginning because I'm just so excited to talk about everything. Um, this episode was, I didn't know, I didn't honestly know what to think about it. I purposely avoided really watching anything about what the crossover event was going to be because I didn't want like my expectations to be set so high and all the funny things were just said in the trailer and nowhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. And I am, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised at how well this episode was done. Um, Cause as we get into the deep dive, we'll go more into it, but their styles of the shows are vastly different. Not even like, live action and animated just the the temperaments of everyone on the ships how they talk how they interact how mariner and boimler interact with with the upper decks and how pike and his crew they interact on their everyday like um aspects they are very different 
people overall. And sometimes when you do crossovers like this, someone has to give to like almost meet the other person halfway. And I like that neither, nothing, like there was none of that. There was no changing of people's personalities. Um, I have to say, I, lo I loved that the voice actors from Lower Decks were the same actors in the show. Um, it was still very weird to hear, this, hear their voices come out of like live bodies. <laughs> it was like, what is this? Um, and then I loved that this episode was at its heart, the love of Starfleet and everyone fangirls over someone. And so that was the lesson. Everyone loves Starfleet. It doesn't matter if you love them all the same way, but everyone loves Starfleet. And um, let's go into the deep dive because this episode was a lot of learning and a lot of acceptance and growing for people. <laughs> yes, because it was a well-written story. So there's a lot there. <laughs> so the, as Monica stated in her initial reaction, um, the episode starts off with Lower Decks. And you see the Lower Decks crew, they're going to Cron uh, Crumless B to a portal down there that has been inactive. And they're very excited because all the people from the TOS era had been there. And we're going to stand in the same spot that Uhura could have stood in, that Spock could have stood in. We see that... Um, Oh my gosh, I want to call her Tra'ana. That's not her name. Tendi. Uh, <laughs> Tendi. Tendi, yes, thank you. Um, Tendi is excited to go because she's like, the Ryan's actually discovered the portal. And he's like, Boimler being born was like, no, they didn't. And Tendi has to like check him, be like, hey, stop assuming every Orion in the past was a pirate. It's not, it's actually very um, it's not nice to think of to think that way. Um, we see Boimler gets sent back to the past. Him interacting with his heroes and understanding that sometimes you don't always want to meet your heroes because not everyone they're real people, not just ideas you have in your head. Um, and we see that Pike has to really work on his patience. <laughs> and we see that as they are able to get Boimler back to the future, Mariner ends up coming back this time, trying to save him. And then and in the process of it actually making everything worse and annoying Pike and the crew of the Enterprise so much more, um, we learned a little bit about the future that the characters learn a little bit about their future because Boimler just does not know how to keep his mouth shut. And it's nice to see how that part of him still translated through um, to the point where he enlightens their views of Orion's, of the Enterprise's crew view of Orion's, as well as the process of sort of get, spilling the beans so the Orion's will work with them to get them back to the future. So this episode was, wasn't a filler episode somewhat. It could definitely be, con be conceived as a filler episode in the sense that if it wasn't in the series, it wasn't in this season, would we really miss any important information? Probably not. Like We probably wouldn't really miss anything if this episode wasn't in there. But was this episode watched by me four times today? Yes, it was. <laughs> so let's go into our deep dives of the whole episode. Which, what, what do you want to talk about first, Monica? Uh, I would like to talk about the intro first. Okay. So the intro really that traditionally we see a live action intro for Strange New Worlds. We see the Enterprise ship land, uh, the, not land, the but title like, sequence part. Sorry. Are you talking about the title sequence part? 
would you call it the title the intro where the where the ship and you hear Pike's voice talking about the strange new world we're going okay to I just make sure I'm on the same I think they're both called the same thing I'm just making okay. sure I'm on the same page as you sorry okay. keep going <laughs> <laughs> traditionally that's live action but this time because we it's a crossover and like this amazing crossover it's an animated uh intro and it helps tie in that in that opening scene with lower decks and then into strange new worlds because at that point in time boimer hatton i think no, he just went to the past yet he just went he went oh, just he just went into the past yeah. so it was cool to see that and even the like the koala bear in the background and the stars so it, it I don't know. It made it seem more welcoming that this was like a true United episode. Um, and with that sequence, I really did love that they took scenes from Lower Decks, like certain animations that were in Lower Decks and moved them on to the Strange New Worlds opening sequence as well. Right. Um, we saw the little alien that was eating the like the engine yeah. that we always see in Lower Decks. It was eating the engine in Strange New Worlds, but it was the exact same shot for shot remake of the normal strange new world's opening so it was just like they add a little humor that lower decks has um you're yeah, right and, that was and if you if you miss that it's maybe because there's like the skip intro don't skip that intro watch yeah. that because i think that that's like i don't know a really cool 30 seconds maybe 45 second intro into the into the show and it's such a with pike's voice it gives like the animation a level of seriousness that the lower decks animation doesn't have which is not a problem that doesn't have because it is supposed to be more of a comedy type thing but with this one it's like okay this is animation opening but this is still a strange new world episode and so i like that it was saying we're gonna have some fun but we're still who we are yes um i have to say i loved boimler's like reaction to everyone at first and how his initial we love we love Boimler and all his craziness. Um, and Jack Quaid played an amazing live action Boimler. I really loved it. But it's nice to know, like when he first woke up, he's like, "Okay, this is not a hologram. This is real life. Um, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because like he doesn't want to mess up anything with the like his first instinct is follow Starfleet rules." Even though he is geeking out in the inside, he's like, oh my God, it's Pike. Oh God, it's Una. Oh God, it's Spock. Like, Bucha and Banga. I love you guys. But it's like, at the same time, I need to keep my mouth shut because I can't tell them anything that could change the future. Um, I think that that scene sort of just showcased that at his heart, Boimler is always Starfleet. And he always remembers what he's supposed to do. He's such a Boy Scout. But he was so fangirling so hard. Yes. And we know. Of all the people, he's the worst at keeping secrets. Yeah. Alan <laughs> only gave him three rules. <laughs> don't share the knowledge about the future. Don't interfere with past. And don't make attachments. Mm -hmm. He did all of it. <laughs> he did all of it. Three of those. <laughs> you got three rules, bro. <laughs> um, we also see a side of Spock in this episode that gives Boimler like a little cause for... Um, reaction because it's cause for concern I should say because Spock is more is showing a lot of emotion in this episode more than I won't say any other episode because the one when he was fully human he did show a lot of emotion but as his Vulcan self he has shown like the most he laughed 
He smiled multiple times. He is like trying to embrace his um, human side. And Boromir being Boromir was like, I think I made a mistake. He's not supposed to be happy. And I was like, how are you, you going to tell someone he's not known for smiling? Like, Boromir, like, I understand you're worried, but you're just like, yeah, he's not known for being cheerful or happy or anything in the future. And I need to make sure it stays that way. Why are you smiling? <laughs> not all about you, dude. <laughs> But little did he know that Fox also, as you say, exploring more of his human side. And he's also, um, I don't know, a little maybe in love, maybe like just a little bit more lucky in things. And he's just a little happier. <laughs> um, but it was a little awkward, though, with for Chapel. It was awkward. She, yeah. She didn't want to spill the beans. But she's like, uh, do we have to have a conversation? <laughs> and it's also like heartbreaking to know that this is temporary. Like, you, it's like you always know something's temporary. Like, I'm pretty sure Chapel, we, I, we talked about this in the last episode, that is it could, could it be lust? Do they really like each other or is it just lust? And I guess I'm seeing that she does probably have actual feelings for him in this episode. But it's like, she's probably also knows there's no real future. There may not be a future for them here. But to hear that he doesn't know, like everything that he mentioned about Spock and Nurse Chapel was not mentioned. Though we also hear that he never mentioned someone else right. either. Right. But I'm um, every book about Spock and it sort of sucks to know you're not important enough to be mentioned in any of the books that spot that was written about Spock. And I didn't catch it the first or the second time I watched it. I caught it like the third time. I was like, oh, you weren't mentioned. Like he has no, like he, Boyman has no idea that you guys were a thing. Meaning there's no record of you guys ever being a thing. That sucks. <laughs> like, like as and what you said in the last episode, they kept this a secret love affair because no one knows. That's a little heartbreaking, regardless of how, regardless of how you thought this relationship was going to go, or even if you knew you only had a, had him for a couple months or a year tops, to know that you weren't even mentioned in any of the books, multiple books written about Spock, that sort of sucks. Right, that Blamer knew everything else, Spock's mom, dad, uh, dog, like all this other information, <laughs> nothing about their relationship or another person in Spock's life. I'm still team to bring though. Yes. Even though I know like Nurse Chapel, I'm fated to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also see that Boimler is trying to enlighten the minds of the Enterprise crew in a very non-telling them the future manner. And at this point, he's sort of already annoyed Pike firmly with his first interactions with the Orions and how he's like, this is a peaceful vessel and the outcome isn't the way the Enterprise needs it to be. Um, and how he's like, well, I can sort of help you track the, the Orions using future technology that you guys can't see. So just turn around. Um, and then to even when they um, arm their like phasers against the ship, he's like, you can't hurt them because my best friend one of my best friends in the future is an Orion Starfleet Academy, a Starfleet instant. And 
her grandmother's on the ship. And my mom was like, yeah. And I don't know if the child that is going to become her grandparent is already born yet. So like, you can't hurt her because <laughs> my friend may not be alive in the future. And it's just like, it's, he broke the rule by protecting the rule. Like no butterfly effects. <clears throat> if his friend is alive in the future and never said her grandmother died on the ship, her grandmother has to survive. <laughs> so it's like, I'm breaking the rule, but I'm breaking the rule to keep the rule in place. Don't freak out because you need it to get me home. They have to stay alive because my friend is alive in the future. Don't make her die. Like don't make, don't wipe her out of existence before right. she gets a chance to exist. What did you think about like his little, I'm breaking the rule, but I'm breaking the rule for a good reason. <laughs> well, we've seen that time and time again in Lower Decks. So it's consistent with his character. It's, um, it's a tough call to make because just because of the amount of knowledge and how much he has vested into this particular um, this particular case because he also wants to go back to his time mm -hmm. and um, this is dear friend. So I think it was hard for him to be impartial and step up and close his mouth because you know that he doesn't close his mouth when he needs to <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, there is something interesting though. Um, it's, it's, you know, when sometimes there's, there's a crossover, we see the people sort of match the tone of the show they crossed over to. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that Boimler still kept his like fast pitch speaking, yep. even while he was in live action. Right. Cause like when you, when you see on the animation, the way he acts and like brings himself a like his mannerisms, his like, like, Oh, unsureness running away. when Una's in there, it's like, Oh, I, I can't look at you. I'm running away when he was in sick bay. Even who was talking to Captain Pike was like, oh, I have something. Not you. Can you tell Captain Pike this? <laughs> All of his same mannerisms showcased really well in the live action. But because it was live action, it made me so much more awkward than it did in the animation. Like, my secondhand embarrassment flared up so much <laughs> in this episode. Yes. <laughs> and that's why I'm also glad that it was a crossover this way. Because I think seeing Spot smile like that in animation, that would have just been like really weird and awkward. <laughs> I don't think it would have conveyed how weird it was. Right. In person. <laughs> like, it was just like more cartoon. It was just. <laughs> but I also because they, um, Mariner and um, Boimer moved back into the past 120 years, there was technology that's like ancient relics to them. Mm -hmm. So it's not just seeing the people that um, they, they had read about, but also interacting with that technology and not wanting to spill the beans, but like, yeah, that camcorder, that like explodes, there's a new generation for that, next generation for that, and different things like that that they could see and experience. But the only piece of tech that he could change to help with that mission for his dare friend. So that was really yeah. cool. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Mariner's effect in the past. <laughs> um, how the banter between the two never changes 
but it doesn't affect the banter between Strange New Worlds. They all have their banters in very different, different ways. And how they get back to the future and like what this may mean for Lower Decks moving forward and maybe possibly Stranger Worlds. Is this a one-off or will we hear more? So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hey guys, it's Andrea. And if you love watching Star Trek and other science fiction TV shows, check out my book, Alindal. It's all about Aubriana, a young woman who finds herself on an alien planet in the middle of an intergalactic war, all because the mother who she thought abandoned her was really a general in an alien army. Now she has to work with the stubborn prince and his family to get back to the peace she once knew. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and wherever else you shop for your eBooks. And for my listeners out there, it's also available on Audible. For more information, check out my link tree in the episode description. I look forward to your readings. Now back to the episode. Back to Trek and Beyond. Part two of the TOS. Those old scientists. <laughs> Ransom. Okay. <laughs> so as we go further into this episode, we notice that you no know, Boimler is able to Return back, they figured out a solution, and they Pike really wants him to go. Like, Pike is happy to have met a fan, but Pike really wants him to go. Because one of the major themes of this crossover that I love they kept is they kept everyone's awkwardness. They kept Boimler's awkwardness to the point where it sometimes makes other people uncomfortable. <laughs> and I love that Pike, while appreciative that he has a fan... Um, also it's just like this guy does not fit the culture here on the enterprise. Um, and I think you had mentioned when we were talked about when we did our deep dives into the lower decks that like the lower decks were not like a normal star stars uh track a Starfleet ship. Like they were very different. And they are. And we see that we're just boiling. But as he's trying to go home, look who tries to come and save him, and it's Mariner. And Mike is just like, oh God, no. <laughs> And we see that Mariner is herself and which is a very interesting person to be on the Enterprise because they are very buttoned up-ish on the Enterprise compared to the Cerritos. Um, and, but I love how she, her first thing is like, did I time travel? Is her hair here? You guys are great, but where's she? Like <laughs> priorities. And she showcased her character just, just as well as um, Jack Quaid did for Boimler. Like she visually, like she had the ponytail, the little bangs, um, even the sleeves rolled up, and she's making like little side comments that she always does. Like, oh, your ranks on your sleeve, huh? I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> like she did not change who she was, even though she was in the past. Like, and sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes with crossovers, you see there's like sometimes a shift to make them fit the episode, the show that they're in. Because like, okay, yeah, you're a different person on a different show, but you're on their show now. You need, we need to tone it down. They didn't do that. They let them be 100% themselves. Um, when they go back to their uh, Pike's uh, office and she's like, um, well, I didn't really realize how hot young Spock was when she's playing with the desk, with the, um, with the desk and everyone's looking at her and, and um, Boyd was like, this is serious. Like, this is not our ship. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> um, 
they they let the characters stay themselves and interact as themselves. And I will, I think that's one of the main reasons why I love this episode is that no one changed who they were. What did you think about Mariner's introduction? Yeah, but I'll first start with later on in the episode, she talks how this, they don't like that, this era that they're in, mm-hmm. but they're comfortable saying that. And they realize that this era speaks a little slower they're softer, they're much more like polished, politically correct, because this is also first contact, top of the line enterprise, and they're on the Cerritos, which is California class, second contact. Come on, the captain. <laughs> and they're lower deckers. So, <laughs> so it's, it's just at a different level, but they're aware of that difference, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And so... Um, I like you. I like the fact that there's there's confidence in that, and they're not asking for either party to change. It's just that Pike was not aware that he was going to be adopting like two adolescents temporarily and need to like restructure his life and give him some boundaries. <laughs> and one thing you said that actually sort of like just made me realize something. Um how far removed they are from each other, not even in time, but just in like rank and like responsibility is that here in the past, they're actually at a much more higher alert than they are in the future. Cause um, Boimler makes a point when he, when uh, nurse chapel and Ortegas are basically messing with him, he's like, you know, you guys are actually on the, like you're working with people who were aliens to you less than like 20 years ago. And for him, it's the norm where he's from. And here, she's like, you guys are actually on the, like, you're exploring real space for the first time. The actual unknown. For him, we're we're doing re-ups. And so, it's like, for them, it's more of an everyday, tedious things they do because what can be dis- discovered has already been discovered. And for them, in the past, it's like, yeah, uh, like, I've always wanted to be back here because it seemed like there was a golden age. But like you said, it's like, we don't like this. <laughs> um, you can't be as relaxed in the past as you could in the, in the future because you weren't as safe in the past as they are in the future. Right. Um, also, we see... Oh, ooh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Um, but there's the part where Mariner was talking... Oh, when she was talking to Uhura and like basically getting her to like... Relaxing. I know all their Starfleet regulations allow me to slack off. Like, come on, let's go get something to drink. And she's behind the bar because they know Mariner. She's comfortable no matter where she goes and is making a drink for everyone. And Ortegas is the one who has sort of a mind. Like, you know, when you're on the war front, you never know when your next relaxation is going to come, next chance of relaxation is going to come. Take it when you have it. And it, like, even though Mariner was there, it's like, I don't think she could relate to that, those words as much because she, even though we ha- they had like the Packlet War, whatever in the future is never was as dire as the Klingon war war was. So I was like, that's, it shows she's friends with Klingons. She's blood brothers with the Klingons in the future. And back here, it's just like, I could die or I have to live by myself without touching anyone. So we don't mess up the future. No. Yeah, and and the time in lower decks, like they're worried about AI and mm-hmm. all of this other advanced technology. That's a really good point you brought up. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
so then we also we see them try to have a lower deck excursion off the ship where they try to steal something and get away with it but you can't get away with it on the enterprise because laon's like no i got you so we were just trying to fix our mistake trying to get back to where we were we're so sorry um because boyma realizes because of him a colony is not going to get the grain that was specifically made for them and there's no extra and they don't want to have to relocate everyone so he's like almost ready to give up his time and the his, his chance of going back home to save all those people and Mariner's like, I'm going to help you because I never get caught. And then they immediately get caught because this is not your ship. This is not a place where you're where you're from, where you're used to, where you're comfortable. They follow the rules on Enterprise. <laughs> I am so glad security's on point and Ahura was listening to the comms. <laughs> because there has been times on Lower Decks where I feel like they get away with a lot. They do. Yeah. They very much do. Not on Enterprise. Not, and, I thought, and I knew you would like that one. I definitely <laughs> knew you would like that one. Um, oh, one thing that was also very interesting is the ship layout. I didn't notice it until, until literally this moment. It didn't hit me why Bormley thought he had to yell his um, idea over to Pike is the the old ship layout of the of the bridge is a lot different than how it is on lower decks and so for him he could actually possibly think i didn't think it was going to carry <laughs> i didn't think my voice was going to carry all the way over to you um because it is a much smaller ship much smaller bridge area on the cerritos than it is on um in strange new worlds on the enterprise yeah, you could see the he was shocked when he walked onto the bridge of the Enterprise and scanned the mm-hmm. the bridge. He was just in awe of the surroundings, the technology. And you know, rightfully so, Mariner would be in that situation too when she's in the quarter in I guess Pike's ready room and touching the the table because she was in that he was in that same situation. So yeah, anytime you time travel, it takes you a minute to get adjusted. I'm just gonna put this out here. I do not. If only the only time traveling I would like to do is to the future. I don't need to go in the past. I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> like going 120 years in the past from that far in the future. Cool. Going 120 years in the past now. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm right here. I am right here. <laughs> not going nowhere else. Good point. <laughs> um. So we see that they are actually able to talk to the Orions who take the little ton- or as Mariner calls it, a portal that doesn't work as a tunnel. So it takes the tunnel back, the little portal. And we see that there are the three Orions on this, the science vessel. And I like the callback to when Boimler actually does realize he can't talk about Orions the way that he has been, even in the future, because in the past, they're very much other pirates. He's like, they're actually not. There's this is a science vessel. And Pike asks the same question: Do you know that they're science vessels, or do do they have scientists in the Ryans? And Tindy did make a really good point. Someone had to build the ships. Like <laughs> they can't all be pirates. Someone had to build the ships. And I like that the way they were able to connect to the Ryans was not through bartering, was not through anything that Pike could have said. It was literally through Boimler and Mariner basically saying, hey, our best friend in the future, she's a Starfleet officer, she's an Orion, and her grandmother was on this ship. Like, her or her great-grandmother was on this ship. Like, 
we come from a time where Orions are, can be anything that they want. They're not just known as pirates. And I love that he was able to teach them a lesson at the same time learning that lesson for himself. Because Boimler screams, um, how can I say this correctly? Boimler screams, I have an Orion friend. <laughs> um, and like not intentional, but like he's so much into what is written and what is book smart and what is like, well, if it's, they said, it, I've read the report, it must be true. Versus, hey, I actually live the life. I'm telling you what is true and what's not. Stop believing this about us. Well, that's what everyone from that time would have thought. How do you know? I'm right. living in this world. It so, also depends on who writes the book, who builds the museums. Yes. <laughs> right. They're influencing how it's presented there. History is written by the victors. Yeah. And so it's I, I love that he got his little... Oh, I'm wrong. And Tendi was right moment in, <laughs> in this episode, even at that scene. And we get to see the Orion captain be, be both surprised and like happy that in the future, one, someone from his ship is going to be in Starfleet. Like someone, someone descended from his ship is going to be in Starfleet, where two humans are vouching for her and she's like calling her one of their best friends. And then Pike, a current Starfleet captain is like we'll say it was discovered by a ryan scientist and he's like that's all i wanted and like it, to give that validation of stop assuming because of the color of my skin you know who i am you don't chill <laughs> let me be something different or always having to feed into the stereotypes because no one sees you as anything outside of it so it was a it was a short little scene but it was just like oh i'm happy for him <laughs> Yeah, that's the only positive butterfly effect that I could see in this episode. It's the fact that before Boimer traveled in time, the his history book stated that the Orions were all pirates. And, and then once he returned, it the history books changed um, because he changed at that time. He, he, he changed the changed history 120 years ago. So at that point in time, moving forward, everyone understands that there are scientists and engineers and Pike was comfortable with stepping back and not stating that he discovered this, right? Yeah. That sharing this, um, giving this this opportunity to, um, to another culture. I thought that was cool for Pike. It was. Um... Another scene that I liked that showcased, uh, and it was in this scene and it was in the scene previous to them going back onto the planet, was Boimler and Mariner's back and forth banter. I love that we did not lose their banter in this episode. Um, and I guess I never realized how awkward it was in real life, in real life action, but to see their back and forth banter when they were explaining how... Um, they can still get back to the future because this ship has a piece of the missing metal that they needed because the previous enterprise was all built with it. And every ship, every new ship is built with a piece from the previous ship that held its name, which I thought was actually a really cool thing. And I didn't know that about Star Trek, Starfleet. And I like that. Did you see that one of my books in the future? No, you didn't. And so <laughs> it was nice to see like their banter was like when Boyman was like, I apologize. I when I came here, I had these notions about you guys, and let me tell you, no limerick. And Mariner's like, let's not do a limerick. They don't care about a limerick. Here's what's happened: we went to a museum, but she didn't want to go. 
And they're bantered back and forth. And it's like, no one cares about the grap- grapp- grapplers. And Lana's like, I love grapplers. And it's like, see? Like them going, I love that the banter never changed between them. Just didn't realize how awkward it was when it wasn't animated. <laughs> and even Spock went into it. It's like, the funny part is because she normally doesn't pay attention. <laughs> see? No one's paying attention. <laughs> that caught me off guard. Spice. Spice rebuttal there. Like, I like that their banter still stayed exactly the same. It was just a lot more awkward in live action. And even when they were back on the planet talking to the Orions and they were going back and forth and fighting, like, and anyway, <laughs> like how their banter never changed. And I just love it because they are my platonic best friends. And I love my second set of platonic. Well, they, they were for Kirk and O'Hara because I saw them last episode. But normally, those two are my platonic best friends. And their banter <laughs> never, never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> Any thoughts about that? Uh, that leads me into one of my favorite scenes, and that's when Boimer was being transported out, and he told his lower deck teammates, live long and prosper. And then he was fumbling for words when Spock <laughs> told him to live long and prosper, and he was like starstruck. <laughs> so it was kind of awkward it showed how, like, just you also you know, prosper and and live. <laughs> but he just said that, like he's comfortable with his friends, but with his idols, with his, uh, uh, with yeah, just folks that he admires, he he unstumbles there. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that we, you know, who out because we saw this in a separate episode. I was really shocked that we didn't see one of those time agents come back. Yes, Guardian of Forever. Um, yeah. The last time I saw him was in Discovery, and that's actually how Terry no, no, Gordon- the one from the episode with La'an this season. The Guardian Wait, Forever? What's in- No, not Guardian Forever, sorry. Um, the, the Starfleet has this time- The episode with La'an and James went back in the past when she was in a, a oh. alternate timeline, and like, they keep the timelines like clear- Right. I was very shocked that that, like, one of those agents didn't show up at the end and, like, talk to La'an and was just like, thank you for putting everything in order. There's no issues. Because, like, she knows they exist, you know? And this was, like, a this could have been a time event that could have changed the future. Who knows? So. <laughs> right. Well, that confident. blows my mind that there's, like, multiple time agents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and they had a little device, a little clicker tool to, to time travel compared to that orb shape. Um, I don't know, the scene with the, um, on the planet, uh, with the relic, that reminded me of when Taryn Giorgio left Discovery and uh, went off with the Guardian Forever. And True. we'll see her hopefully in a, a movie or some other spinoff later with, um, because that actress is booked and busy. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you win an Oscar. Yes. And when you're an amazing actress. Yes. Um, but I was, yeah, I was very shocked that we didn't see that one of those agents like give La'an like a little nudge. Because like we, we know they exist now. So it's like, oh, um, what happened? Um, another scene that I liked was Boimler being able to talk to Pike him and Mariner 101 and sort of like give 
Pike a roundabout way of saying, like, even though neither one of them said out loud was going to happen to Pike, um, they found out that one Pike knows. He's like, well, maybe you should give people a chance to be around you. <laughs> I like that Pike was able to see it from a future, from someone who knows what happens to him. Um, but to understand, like, hey, enjoy the time while you can. Enjoy every aspect. Don't just go alone and be alone because you know what's going to happen to you. Give the people the memories they want of you, they need of you. Yeah, it reminds me of of when, like, those, when the kids also give the dad the pep talk. And I felt like they were coming around to help support him as well. And, <laughs> and it led right into that ending scene where um, the crew was able to celebrate Pike's birthday with him. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness Boimer shared that information because otherwise they wouldn't have planned this fake surprise party <laughs> and enjoy um, the riches from the Orions. And... Um... It's actually, though, really interesting because, sorry, going back a few scenes, okay, um, but also connected to the scene, they really are children compared to everyone on the Enterprise. Yeah. Like, they, like, the seriousness that they do not have that everyone on the Enterprise does, because, like, when O'Hara's like, I'm 22, but she's already, she already oozes like she's more mature than Mariner. And granted, I'm not sure if we ever actually learned Mariner's real age. I feel like she's older than 22, but she has not, she, but she's nowhere near the same level of like maturity as O'Hara is. And right. like the rest of the Enterprise crew is. She mentioned something about, Mariner mentioned something about a quarter life crisis, but I don't know. That's 25. Span. That? Yeah, that's true. Average, quote unquote, is like when you're 25 and you have your quarter life crisis. So if she's like 25, that's very interesting. <laughs> they could live to be 150 you know, in the future with replicators and so forth. So that is very true as well. Um, but they act like they're adolescents most of the time. Pike was their father in this episode. Like legit, without a shadow of a doubt, Pike was their father. Um, and then the ending scene, which I thought was very cute because this episode started with animation. Um, it ended with animation. Mm -hmm. But you start with the Lower Decks uh, starting crew then you end with the Lower Decks crew of like, okay, he, they're back. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, people. Before we talk about the ending scene, we got to talk about the scene where Una is the face of Starfleet in the future. And you can see how much that meant to her. Um, I'm so sorry. We'll go to the ending scene in a moment. But when Mariner has to correct the fact that there's not a, it's, Boyman doesn't have a pinup poster of you. He has a poster of you pinned up in his bunk. Um, and they put her catchphrase on there as well. It's on the poster. And you can see how much that means to Una to be the face of Starfleet in the future. Now, the question is, is this a rewriting history that we never treated her bad type thing? Does this mean Una's going to end on a good note? Or is this going to be like, hey, we treated her badly. Maybe let's go and put it on the poster. That's my only issue or wonder about... Uh, her being the poster, but I love that she was able to feel invigorated and feel wanted and needed and like respected in Starfleet to know that at one at some point it's going to be her face, her slogan that's going to get people to join Starfleet. I thought that was a really sweet scene. She needed yeah. that. 
Yes. Similar to like Harriet Tuckman being on the on a stamp or Shaka Juia or something like that. Yeah. Um, so then we see going back to the ending scenes. Um we have the lower decks ending scene. Uh we find out that Mariner actually fought for the assignment so Boyan could see the portal because she knew it would, she he would like it. And just just like a platonic best friend who is like, I can't be happy for you, but I'm I want the best for you. Like I can't you I can't show you that I wanted this for you, but I got it for you. And then to end with the strange new worlds crew, <laughs> the Enterprise crew. Um and I like how they explained the fact why they were in 2D because they were drinking an Orion alcohol drink that um, Mariner had introduced them to, but they had the actual alcohol because the guy gave it to them. And he's like, I feel so weird. Why does everything look like it's in 2D? And Spock's like, my arm does not do this. And even Dr. Ambega's like, what the heck is in this bottle? <laughs> it's like, it explains why they see themselves as 2D now because they're drunk. <laughs> Yes. I was thinking, uh, y'all didn't scan that first, but okay. <laughs> this is also not the first time we've seen Spock drunk this season. Um, he was drinking the blood wine from the Klingons too, and he was yeah. getting sick. <laughs> yeah. um, so no, it was, just, it was just a fun episode. One where you could just enjoy. There weren't any real stakes, because we always knew they were going to get back to the future. Um, but it was just a nice, relaxing, funny episode for me. Any final thoughts for you? It was also nice to see a connection with Star Trek Enterprise, which is not talked about a lot, but has gotten more fanfare more recently. And so they brought that up because uh, they needed the, <laughs> the honorarium to, um, to power the time travel machine. But it was just the reference of of that series that was nice um, because they seem to talk about the original series, which with James T. Kirk, but really the Enterprise is a prequel to that to the prequel. So mm -hmm. kind of cool to see that. I felt like it could have been like three crossovers. <laughs> I mean, Scott Bakula could always come back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um. I don't think I have anything else. I just really like this episode. And I'm, I, th these are the type of filler episodes I'm good with. The ones that just sort of are for enjoyment and not for, like, what do you really add to the plot? Like, we knew this is just hilarious. I, I do, though, I will say this. I would like to see how they may reference this in the future um, on either show. Like, how this might get referenced for something else. Um I just can't wait to see what's coming next. I'm excited. Yeah, I would like to see if Lower Deck shows the other side of this. Yes. During the same time. Like, so what were Radiford, Tendi, Mariner doing on the other side while whatever was going through this? That would be kind of cool. And I wonder, did they have to like, like, did, cause they have to do a report. Like, are they just not going to tell anyone they went in the past? Like, I would love to see that debrief part of that. Um, Oh, my other final thought is Worf's honor. Um, OQ and Ryder, like how they <laughs> uses the names of other famous Star Trek characters in other random aspects. It's like, don't say Q. They haven't met him yet. 
they have some weird relationship. <laughs> As Juno said, they're very specific. <laughs> they're very specific. <laughs> they're examples. <laughs> very specific. <laughs> um, so I think that's everything. Monica, is that everything for you? That is. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Monica. And live long, live long and, prosper. and prosper. Hi, it's Monica again. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trek It Beyond. This week's podcast was sponsored by the subscribe button. By using the subscribe button, you will receive notifications when new episodes of Trek and Beyond are released, and your podcast app will add the episode to your playlist. Best of all, the service is free. Try it out. Subscribe to Trek and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast.